They're bad. They're boys. And occasionally, they talk about running. Yes, it's the Bad Boy Running Podcast with your hosts, Jody Rainsford and David Heller. So, do badders, if you've not listened to, I can't remember if, if Sophie's been on once or twice. Um, it feels like twice just because we've met her so many times off, off camera and such. But if you've not listened to that episode, go and listen to it. It's fantastic. It talks about um, her experience in running not just um, about the, the most famous picture, but then the, I guess the fallout plus the upside of that and on being a kick-ass mum, really. And I'm going to tell you this bit now because we've just been talking and it will be relevant when we talk later. The last time we kind of spoke um, at Rancho South, I think, or, or Rancho, and we then brought it up in the, on the podcast, which she was training for things like UTMB or the equivalent with 35-mile weeks in training. And so we we're discussing how you can do that um as a that's how you can do things like utmb as a as a mum um but to to follow up on that she races is the next big project but welcome to the podcast um sophie power (laughs) sorry manic introduction there but um i like to bring people up to context I'm, i'm sure i mean the the listener the listenership on your episode is so big. I'm sure everyone who's listened to this has already listened to that one. But um, yes, wow. Um, when did we actually last speak on the potty? Was it probably a year? Probably. I think I was recovering from having Sasha and I brought out the the documentary all about kind of how difficult I found it to return to running after having a baby and the life juggle. Um, See, so yeah, i done that documentary. So that's probably when I last spoke to you. So I was probably getting back to running getting back into um the longer distance stuff and then yeah I've had a bit of a manic year of training since then because I know we were one of the discussions we talked about was about how to get children uh, more involved in kind of sport get them more active um is that still something that you kind of continue to be involved with as well absolutely so I'm still a trustee of women in sport and I'm hugely kind of passionate about kind of children being involved in sport and women and especially mothers and I guess for me then my decisions from there was like well how can I inspire people and that's what's led to I guess my most recent news and in kind of trying to run at the highest level to show you know the girls like me at school who were second last in the mile um (laughs) that you know your sporting potential is not set on a cross-country track in year nine yeah, yeah, or even whether you could be asked to pretend to to actually try when you were young, because a lot of the time you might have had someone incredibly good who just thought, "I don't really want to do that. I'm just going to jog at the back." Uh, that that wasn't. I, I I desperately wanted to be good at sport at school. Um, I was quite overweight um, and unfit. I was quite strong there. I think they missed that. Um, but I was so I was I was. I mean, I couldn't have run any faster that day. Um, it's, it's crazy now. I do, I do junior park run with my four-year-old and he runs like 10, 20 miling for the junior park run. It's up and down hills. And I mean, I can run that at 14. Um, 
so it's 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 gonna be interesting like seeing he's on a different trajectory because his parents are involved like if i was on that trajectory if my parents had got involved like where would i be i'd probably run and then hated it and not run now so maybe it's a good thing yeah yeah it's strange actually the number of runners i know who discover running in their late 20s 30s kind of post other sport or as you start to get a bit flabby from uh, from consuming too much um is it, but the there, there's been we because we've spoken a lot on the podcast recently about a couple of things one of them is a new study that was showing about the fitness levels of children being substantially worse than adults weirdly um, and, and particularly children of 20 years ago but we've also had um, quite a few conversations around UTMB and them still not changing their policy but also with all the new qualifiers where you need to do certain races to qualify dot 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 that given that that women are primarily still the the main um, caregivers of the children I've probably absolutely brutalized the the phrase or whatever you meant to say um, that they just are far less likely to be able to run as many races to get the points to then run in these big races. And so we've been trying to think about alternatives to that. Um, but that ties in perfectly with, with she races, which we've been wanting to talk about for ages. And then I just was slack on my, my texting. So um, apologies to Anna from the running channel for having to hassle me because uh, we, we were wanting to do it as soon as we could. But yeah, do you want to talk about how that came about? Sure, I, I think it's come it's come from UTMB, I think. So the photo four years ago, and, you know, the only reason I I let that photo kind of go out, and it's quite a personal photo, and obviously it's taken on a life of its own, but it was because I should have been able to defer my place um, for pregnancy. Like, I wasn't fit and ready to race 106 miles whilst three months, a three-month-old baby I was breastfeeding. I mean, it's crazy. And I'd already lost a place in 2014, with my firstborn and that and it take me four years to get another place so I hope the photo would just make the organizers change their policy the huge news is they have now changed their policy four years later when I that passed me by was was that announced or was that slipped in yeah so I slipped that in I mean I guess I've been working on it for four years um it's been something I've spoken to the organisers about many times. It's something I was hopeful when um, Hoka took over the sponsorship um, mm. end of last year. And it was finally confirmed um, kind of a few months ago. And it's not been publicly announced. Um, there's nothing in their T's and C's yet. But they will now defer places of pregnancy, which is a huge win because, as you say, when women, you get all those points and then you get pregnant mm. and then you lose out again, you've got to get the points again. It's just such a special race because it's where everyone comes together. Um, it almost shouldn't be owned by anyone because it's it's kind of Chamonix. Mm. It's that week. And mm. there are very few races like it. But you can also say that the the city marathons are similar. So now getting the win with London Marathon, which I campaigned for last year to allow kind of women to defer their good for age entries, um, that's now been um, that was now allowed, and they've extended that for three years this year, which is fantastic. So it's these few kind of wins on getting those changed. But and I talked to so many women, um, and I I received so many messages, and I realised that you know it's not just about pregnancy policies and deferral policies. We mm. need to get more women on the start line because for me, 
racing is more than just running. Um, for me, it's racing and being in these events. It's a somewhere we can can set some goals. We can test our limits. We can get this sense of achievement. Um, often for kind of for mothers and carers, it's that reason to get your run in because you know that there's this greater goal and you have this mm. something that's not just I want some me time, which feels quite kind of selfish, which it shouldn't do, but often it does. It's I'm working towards this, um, and it and it really kind of sets a great example to our kids who want to get fit. So for me, racing is really important, um, and especially on the longer events. There aren't women, many women on the start line. Um, certainly in ultras, it's less than 20%. Uh, UTMB, uh, it's less than 8%. Um, even with um, even without the the policy deferral policy. Yeah. But there are so many, and, and we're brilliant endurance runners. So for me, it's like looking at races and saying, how do we get more women on the start line? Now, there's obviously a societal thing and kind of we are the main caregivers and we can't fix all that. But what we can fix are the races themselves. Um, we can remove those barriers to being on the start line for women. We can look at the the imagery that puts us off, the lack of logistics there, the the pregnancy deferral policies, um, the kind of the making it sound like we can do it, the biggest, baddest, toughest race, rather than these are the paces you need to run at to to get to the finish. And then the experience we have on the race kind of let's get rid of those unisex t-shirts that kind of look at us as second-class citizens. I mean, I, I did a, a post about it and I tried all mine on when I was 37 weeks pregnant and they fit beautifully. Um, but yeah. sanitary towels at checkpoints, just having enough toilets for us, um, safety at night, making sure there's a mix of women and men there. And, and, and then at the end of the race, you know, valuing our competition. So splitting out results so we can see the female podium putting as much effort into reporting the women's results as the men's results and equal prize money, equal placements, equal podiums, equal age categories. It's not rocket science. It's all very simple, but too many races aren't doing it. And the races are, surprise, surprise, they've got a, they've got a great balance of, of women and men. Um, so She Races came about really as a, a set of guidelines to race directors to say, this is how you're fully inclusive of women. Um, and so many race directors said, I just didn't think about all these things. And they've put things in practice. So what we've done is say, you sign up to a basic kind of agreement that you'll try and make your race inclusive as far as reasonably possible. Um, and we'll pop you on the website so that women can find a race um, that, that really has them in mind. And it's no cost to race directors. This is a, a basically a charity that, that I'm kind of funding so far and, and hoping to get some sponsorship to to really drive it but it's all about getting women that amazing feeling of crossing that finish line um and really kind of that gives them the the power to to go throughout the rest of their lives and and i know last time we spoke actually it was part of the the reasons why you, you had been able to do things like utmb is because you you almost approached it as a family as opposed to it wasn't mummy's going off to do this thing. It was the family a supporting mum in taking on this challenge. And therefore, what do we, you know, how does dad need to, to pick up some slack in some places? Uh, how are we all moving it together? And um, I think it's a really important part as well is, is actually to have children see their mums kicking ass as well. And 
taking on challenges and and it and 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 being inspirational rather than just the just a caregiver in their eyes uh, it, it's huge i mean it's especially now i have a daughter um and women in sport done a huge piece of research on on children and kind of the the attitudes of sport and seeing all these girls that don't feel sporty relative to boys at such a young age and, and i went into my my seven-year-old's kind of infant school um to talk about running and kind of my son believes that women are far better at running than men um i mean i love the euros <laughs> because he he turned around to me and goes mom can can boys be as, as good at football as girls um and it really changes mind on things. The more women we see running and and doing these things, the more our daughters can see that, you know, sport really is for girls. It's for everyone. Um, and I guess with the, the imagery on races, when someone who's just started running, who maybe kind of has started running to lose a bit of weight or um, kind of sees all these start line images of white skinny men, Unless you see yourself in that image, in that marketing, you don't feel you belong. And I see races, and I'm like, well, I'm not welcome there. I'm a woman. Um, I think so many people see that. So if we change it and we make it see all kinds of people on those start lines, kind of crossing the finish lines, then everyone believes that they belong. And, and do, you th- do you get a sense of things like UTMB or, or the like, what the... What the, the because you said eight eight percent of of runners were women. Do we know? Do we get a sense of what the application numbers are as well? Because there's obviously, um, if if they wanted to go fifty fifty, could they right now? And um, do you get a sense that part of it is that the application process just seems so unlikely that it's putting people off applying? Or I think UTMBs are different. I think it's so different to get the points and get through it um mm. and and they're the harder races so we need women moving up to the the points races but interestingly so we found with she races we did a massive survey of almost two thousand women and we found kind of almost 90 percent of women are more likely to sign up for a race that shows they're inclusive to women um and interestingly utmb have done their own survey recently the results aren't published yet but i've been i was talking to them and they're trying to get more women on their start lines because they've realized that they're going to start, they've got all these races out in the world that aren't overscribed like UTMB is. Mm. And they're missing out on 50% of the running population by not having them inclusive. So they're asking these women who are trail runners that haven't stepped up to 30 kilometers plus, you know, what are you thinking? Um, and it's interesting and it's fantastic to see that progress. And they're trying to work out why women aren't doing it. And we know from our survey, there are so many barriers in place and we, we can't fix the, we can, the family side is we can show men that kind of, or kind of the, the other partners and the family around us, how they can support us. And that's really important because I think um, a lot of, of partners kind of, ones who've messaged me have said, I didn't realize after having our children that I went back to my running and my wife didn't. And, and I just didn't think she didn't want to do it. Any- I thought she didn't want to do it anymore and didn't realize that there are things such as pelvic health that get in the way. There's things like mother's guilt um, that you've got to support them actively back. And that's what can help us get back. And my husband's been amazing, uh, really understanding that running is important for me. Um, so there's those understanding what we can do outside it with the races themselves. 
um, they're easy fixes and the race directors that have kind of joined She Races have made really simple changes um, that they just didn't realise that their pictures were all of men. They didn't realise that it'd be really helpful to have, to show where the toilets are. So Camino Ultra did a brilliant thing where they don't have any actual, they're, they're racer in London, so they don't actually have any portaloos that can put out, but they put a map of where all the loos are en route, which is brilliant because then you're like, right, okay, I, I feel I can go and do this race. So interesting. So you, is, is that a really big obstacle to some people then, that fear of being caught short on, on the route? I mean, for women, I mean, if you're on your period doing an ultramarathon, you're going to need to change a tampon um, or drain a moo cup. Um, you don't want to do that behind a bush. You can't do that behind mm. a bush um, in, a, in a kind of really public place. And it's a huge barrier if you're kind of, I mean, I've struggled my pelvic floor since having children. You need to go to the toilet more often when you're running. Um, and it's not just women that have these issues. It's, it's also men. Um, we need to be more considerate of the issues people have and think, how can we fix it? We can't put portaloos up mountains. No, but can we think about having proper provisions on a start line? Yes. Can we think about having aid stations have kind of sanitary provisions? Because you often get caught short and often I found it's always happening to me in an ultra. I'm not expecting my period. It comes early. Um, and it happened to a lady recently and she was mid trail ultra and she had to actually pull out the race because she didn't have anything and she still had several hours to go. So it's really simple. Um, if you ask women what they want and get female feedback. Um, and so what I guess we do with She Races is I realised I was reaching out to lots of organisers and saying, this person has given me this feedback on this race, you don't have this policy, could we get a deferral, could we do this? And I was like, I can't do this anymore, I've got three kids. What I need mm. to do is empower women and, and men to go to races when they see something that can be improved, send the race organiser our guidelines read through them, say this could be better and do it themselves. And that has a, a greater impact because it's someone that's actually running the race. But it also means we can get to so many more races and know that, you know, we'll have more people on the start line. I mean, one example um, I had last week was there was a fell race um, and there was a lady, um, a V50, that looked at the cutoffs and thought, I'm not going to make the cutoffs, but I really want to race. And so she spoke to the organiser and they didn't want to make the cutoffs longer because you've got safety of people on the mountain. But what they did was they let people start if they wanted to an hour earlier. So the checkpoint times didn't change. The overall time didn't change um, for kind of the people out there, but they had an extra cutoff. They opened the registrations for next year and they got so many more kind of women and men kind of in the V50, V60 categories, just because of that, that was the barrier to them. She's gone to the race organiser and that's enabled so many more people to run that race. So it's these small changes that you think you're just doing it and you don't want to be annoying because you're a woman and you don't want to ask, but knowing that you're going there, you're actually helping so many other people that are going to sign up for that race or have a much more comfortable experience on the race. So it really is about empowering others and, um, yeah, if everyone can tell everyone they know about she races and and think about the races they're going to do, the races they've done, chat to the organisers. Between us, we can make such a difference for for women and really raise the inclusivity of of running, not just trail running, but but 
but all running. So, so is there a, a checklist then on the website of suggestions for races of, of what they can implement? Absolutely. So I, I wrote it with some, a lot of feedback from the survey, from people's experiences, um, talking to a lot of race directors um, about what they do. It's, it's not perfect. We don't have all the answers and, and we're always looking for improvement. So if people read it and go, I think that's unreasonable or actually you could do it this way or um, here's another idea, please um, get in touch um, send me a message on, on Instagram at she.races or ultra underscore Sophie um, and I can edit the guidelines but we've kind of broken it down into those kind of level the start line kind of improve the experience of the race and respect our competition and there's nothing in there we're really aware that you know races are expensive to put on and everyone's got rising input costs so it's simple things that can be done by races and, and there's obviously a lot more you'd be doing if you're a kind of ultra in the middle of nowhere compared to a 5k road race, like you're not going to have safety trackers on a 5k road race. Um, but there are things to race organizers to almost like a lens to look at their race through and go, I could actually change this small thing, or I could put some more information on my site. So we asked the, the organizers that sign up and, and it's all free to just put a little piece on their site about how they meet the guidelines or how they welcome women or who to call, um, one race kind of Rick at Phoenix, he, he, he's put some independent women that run his races quite frequently in charge of keeping him in check and, and, and looking at the race through a fresh set of eyes. And, and he's had some brilliant changes in that. And, and that's a great thing that race organizers can do because it's hard to see your race from a participant's eyes. Um, when you're, when you're the director and you, you live and breathe it every day. And have you come across any genuine challenges of races where they've come back to you and pushed back and you thought, I, I get that. Actually, that's quite hard for us to to really break down certain barriers. Um, are there any things that you think are going to be harder to, to resolve? Oh, that's a good question. I think some of the, some of the toilet provision is difficult in the middle of nowhere. Mm. And I think you're not trying to make these races soft. That's the last thing we want. Um, it's making them kind of accessible. And I think if you're saying that people have to taking away some of the qualifying, well, you don't want to do that because you need people to qualify for it. So really nothing, no, really nothing um, is, is unreasonable. I think kind of um, getting to 50-50 and asking for that, I think is unreasonable because there are more men running the endurance events. Um, some of those barriers, the societal barriers, it's not the race director's fault that kind of women aren't kind of running as much. They can do everything to open up their race, but we do see some of the races getting to near 50-50 that are the more inclusive because women are kind of flocking to those. But it's very, it's very little. I think it's, um, I think there's ones that say, oh, you know, unisex t-shirts are cheaper. I mean, for most races, you shouldn't be having T-shirts anyway because most of them go to landfill and, and you should be offering a, kind of a, um, a trees, not teas option um, or a local charity option. But that's been the only one. That's, that's I mean, some of the major marathons, like London marathons still have those awful mm. unisex T-shirts. Um, but really on that, I mean, there's no additional cost. I'm trying, I'm trying to think of kind of, I've had so many conversations and they've all been so positive. Um because race organisers yeah. want more people on the start line. 
I mean, the T-shirt thing's almost a dirty, unspoken of secret where they they need it really for sponsors more than anything else because it's if you're Flora or Virgin or whoever's sponsoring the marathon, you know it's then your logo on a top that will be run in by 50% of the participants. And so the finances of that are probably discussed less than necessarily um, they should be just because people don't really want to say, oh, we're only doing it for, for the money here. It's not actually. And and the perceived value of a T-shirt as well versus the cost to you. But with um, one of the suggestions we've had to do with races where it does require you to qualify and you then have the draw um, is to, in the same way, something like Western States, the more you apply, the heavier the weighting of your application is to then weight towards women so that they're more likely to get their places. Now, understandably, so, and and what, because there is the other side of the coin where there's, say you're a male who's run lots, who's got all these points, um, who'll be frustrated that they can't get in either versus, um, and they'd see that almost as, it is discriminatory against them. Uh, what would you say to people in that position who are you know, wanting to do something, they've, they've followed all the rules and, and they're now not being able to do it because they're a man? And I think kind of, we haven't put positive discrimination in there um, as a must-have. I think it's a great um, idea in some of the longer races and it is now done, I think, kind of Lakeland do it in their ballot and some to some extent... Um, because you've got to think for those races, you've got to qualify. Women have already jumped through a few hoops to even get into that ballot. So kind of increasing the ability for women to, to succeed in that ballot is only really rebalancing it to, to kind of the, the start. Um, it's, it's a really difficult one. Um, and I think kind of looking at the amount of years a woman can actually enter the ballot because of pregnancy recovery, kind of making it overall that we are equally likely to 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 succeed involves giving us a higher weighting in the balance we actually get to enter. Um, it's a difficult topic. I think it's it's stretching on something. So I think she races kind of what the organisers you want them to sign up to is really the absolute obvious things that make sense for, for equality. And um, what I want to do is, is and there's, there's some great kind of groups out there encouraging women to trail run more, um, giving women the confidence, the map reading skills. Can we break down all those barriers so we get more women in the ballots in the first place and then winning our places on those start lines um, and, and showing just how good we are at endurance running? Yeah, and, and I think actually one of one potential solution around it as well that probably feels a bit fairer is, is just to allow say there are points acu- accumulated to allow females to accumulate them over a longer period um, because they are going to have those breaks where they are having babies they're raising kids and so I, I do think that someone who's run a race of a higher qu- enough quality three years ago that's still valid for being able to race a race next year because it shows you've got the ability and the desire to train yourself up to that level so um, i don't think you need to lose that um even if your physical fitness has dropped down i don't think many people would enter a utmb or equivalent 
um, and take it lightly. So, uh, but in in terms of um, transitioning onto something else that we'd said before, um, so last time you you were we were amazed by how successful you'd been based off the the relatively low number of miles you'd been running. Now you you you're now flipping that on its head, I believe. <laughs> So, yeah, so I guess, so I was running about 35 weeks. Most of my running has been um, while I was working very, very long hours and just not taking it seriously, running just enough to get around races. So, and I guess some of the races are quite big. I mean, Spartathlon's a difficult race, and I think I did 37 miles a week on average for the six months before, which for 153-mile nonstop race in 36 yeah. hours is is on the low side. Um, yeah. but yeah, so when I had Sersha, I, I knew that she was my last, like my third baby, my last, and I had such a struggle to get back. And, and my coach, Irina Sutton's amazing. And she's just like, what do you want to do now? Um, and I wanted to get fit and strong again. And so I ran my first London marathon, um, last year and was feeling really good and, and started kind of getting much stronger and I said I want to aim for a 24 and I said I want to aim to run for Great Britain because I've just turned 40 and I've got three kids I've got a prolapse and I was second last in my at school and if I can run for Great Britain what is that going to show all the other girls out there all the other mums out there all the other people that didn't feel sport was for them because they were rubbish at school. And so that was in my head. It's like, that's what I want to do. Um, and it's come around a bit quicker than I expected um, because I'm racing with a GB vest in Verona next week. Um, but it's been a case of let's train really smart. Let's train hard. Um, my husband has been amazingly supportive. We have juggled and multitasked to the max on absolutely everything to try and fit in that extra training. And so I've been on about 50 miles going up to my last couple of weeks of 65. And with a bit of strength training, with a bit of spinning, that's all my body can handle, all I need to handle, that's enough. Um, and yeah, so I'm kind of in the shape of my life. I, I ran a half marathon last weekend, the the London half um, for, um, my friends at kind of Femme Foundry um, had a party afterwards. And they're like, come and talk. Um, and um, why didn't you run? So I ran. And then I realized that I could run a bit faster than I thought and and got a sub 90 on a two days after a 20-mile run. So um, I'm running oh, a bit wow. faster Congrats. than I used to. Um, but which is really exciting. I just say, like, because like, when's the last time you trained to be fast rather than trained to run far? I've never done it. I mean, this is this is the the nine years. For the last nine years, I've been trying to get pregnant, pregnant, recovering from pregnancy. I've never, or then injured. I've never ever had a whole year of consistent training. And what's really exciting is that I've only now had one year. Kind of, what could I? Where where could I go in two years? Um, and now I think being finally beyond children, maybe it's like a like BC beyond children. Um, <laughs> I'm really excited. I mean, the world record holder for 24 hours is the amazing Camille Heron. 
and she's 40 as well and she's only getting better so for all the women out there you know just because you're not breaking maybe you won't break your your 5k time anymore I mean I've never had a I've never raced a 5k mine's my park run and it's muddy and hilly um but there's no reason your marathon time can't get better your your ultra marathon time can't get better um as you get older um you have women over 50 that win a lot of these longer races um we get so many skills as mothers, as we get older, as women, as we get older, that are just so relevant to managing our body through these really tough events. I mean, if, if someone's running a marathon PB, unless they've focused on 5K when they were younger, they're going to be faster at 5K as well, without a doubt, just because of their running economy and everything. But um, what would you say, because, you know, it's after children, you know, um, post children as such but the kids are still around so how have you how have you done that in terms of what have you changed that's made the most impact in your training but how have you managed your time in your schedule and have you got any little secrets for how you've managed to do that while still having the kids I think it's it's really optimizing the hell out of your week um, and everything you're doing so for me um, I know that I train well in the morning. I train after the drop-offs. And there's a lot of my life that is, um, I do 20 miles a week on my feet doing school and nursery drop-offs. Um, a lot of it carrying a 12-kilo <laughs> child. Just four miles a day. Okay. Um, that, I mean, that's that's what it is. So, And we walk everywhere. So we walk to the junior park run in, in Saturday. We'll walk to their rugby drop-offs. We walk as much as we can. So that's part of yeah. training, really. And if you can't get a recovery run in, but you can get the school run in and walk it a bit faster, that's part of it. Um, definitely the, I've got to go and drop you somewhere, but I could take you in the running buggy and then leave the running buggy there, then do a run, then get you home. Or we're going somewhere at the weekend. I'm like, brilliant, get my OS can app out. Can I run there and meet the kids there? And maybe organize my husband wants to run back um, or put his bike in the in the mm. car and, and cycle um I mean I don't watch TV I work late at night I think I've been probably burning everything at every single end for the last few months and I need to take some time out I, I don't think especially with the she races launch which has been we did on first of June and it's just been overwhelming and I could work on that 24 hours a day and I see mm. how much impact it's already having but I just don't have the resource to do it and I have to every now and then prioritize sleep um but it really is just thinking and doing, doing the multitasking like you've got to get the strength work in but no who's got who's got half an hour to do strength work but if the kids are watching tv or they're with you like they're doing in the they're in the park you can get your lunges in you can get your stretches in um they'll jump on my back to do planks i can do squat press with my daughter you can get mini workouts in just little and often through the week and it all really adds up and how did they re respond to this? Are they as excited about it? And do they understand the kind of joint mission as such? Oh, they, they're my boy. They love it. I mean, we love, we love Junior Park Run. Um, they're, my my four-year-old is brilliant. He's just no fear. He just goes for it. He's so competitive. Uh, my seven-year-old goes, runs around, has a chat with his best mate. It's lovely. Um, they, they, they love coming home. They love tracking the races. They, my seven-year-old really understands what it is how far it is um 
and they're really proud and it's it's um it's all he's kind of talked about kind of when I got the vest through and he's he's looking at the kit and trying on the kit and he's just like this is really big um so it's amazing to have him behind me and it's I guess with my daughter I just know that she's just going to have a very different vision of what she can achieve because she sees me um and saying I never had and that for me is you know a real driver to to do it is to inspire her and to inspire kind of her friends and and to show him so yeah it's huge I mean my son's like new teacher I think it's the only thing first thing she heard he's like my mom my mom's running for Great Britain um but it's yeah it's it's really it's really cool and um like I may I may never get selected again I may get injured and be out for years and burn out and whatever but um I think it's it's still like a huge thing that I'll look back on and be really proud of. And and do you think because it it sounds almost as if this is like a, a change is as good as a break almost or whatever the phrase is the, the fact you're doing this different training now could do you think it it is sustainable to be doing this for kind of two three four five years that level of mileage and and that level of focus on running? With I think it is. I think a lot of. I think a lot of runners do run that mileage and it seem it's really quite seamlessly fitted into the week now. Um, I mean, there's no, there's no downtime. I mean, my downtime has got to be my run time. I don't remember last time I watched TV that wasn't like a kind of the Euro football matches or a bit of, bit of athletics. Um, but I've been on the treadmill doing that. Um, so that's all gone. Um, and I'm willing to give that up. I think you move along a spectrum I've taken my diet a bit more seriously and really properly kind of learning to feel I've been wearing one of the super sapiens monitors and really learning how I feel my day so I can get the best out of myself so those really the important sessions to do properly really do count um so just trying to optimize everything so I think that part really is sustainable um and I'm really enjoying it I think if I started to put lots of pressure on then it wouldn't be what I do for fun. So I don't want to do that. And I think I do hear from people going, I want to go a minute quicker in, in the marathon. I want to break this barrier. And I found that that's like, that sounds really stressful to me. When you're focused on the outcome rather than the process, um, it's got to be about the training, the lifestyle, the getting progressively better. You can't control what happens on a day and you can't kind of rate your entire training process and year just on a number at the end of a race whether that's a placing whether that's a time um I think that really undersells all the effort that goes into running because it's so much more than that and, and are you having to you talked a bit about your diet while you train are you having to actually reassess your nutrition for race day because you're going to be putting your body through kind of a higher level of stress than you would have done on, in your other races Sadly, yes. So I used to run ultras on cake, just cake, pretty much. Um, bit of flapjack, that's kind of cake too, isn't it? Um, yeah. I wasn't as running as fast. So I'd be kind of, yeah, walking a lot up the hills on some of the flats and being able to digest that. I can't digest it like that anymore. Um, I think the intensity going up has meant that I've gone to um, having a bit more energy drink, Um um, working with Valle Forte because I like tasty food, but 
I need it to be sports appropriate. So their bars and chair and are oh, their cheese. I love their cheese. Um, there's this cherry flavor that's I have to hide it because I just actually munch them in the house. Like you can't do that if you're not on a run. Um, that's been brilliant. And and getting some real advice um, from the the pH guys on how much to fuel, um, especially in the end of the um, the 24. So hopefully we'll be able to crunch numbers and and give some insight to everyone else on how to fuel a 24. But it's been it's become a lot more scientific. It used to be. Well, I'll start and I'll, I'll run a couple of hours until I'm hungry. Then I have a big hunk of cake and then I'll see what I feel like at the next aid station. And now it's like, okay, okay, it's it's half a bar within 30 minutes. Um, and then try and get as much in as I can until I know that my gut will not be happy and make sure I've kind of given my bit itself a bit of a a lead um, on, the, on the fueling side. So, yeah, it's a lot less fun now. It really yeah, is. I, I used to really it. enjoy all the cake. Um, I have the cake yeah. after the race now instead. And actually, you I know you've mentioned about how it's about the journey and not the results, but it'd be interesting to see if you feel that way after the race day where you've, you've, you've got that massive pressure, really, and it, it's, all, it's all relative because you, you are racing against individuals for your team. So um, whether that changes your experience or not. I think... I, I think- for me, I'm not really an individual racer. So I don't get that excited about winning in podiums. I, I don't think my my favourite races have ever been ones that I've placed particularly well at or even kind of won. Um, but I really like running for a team. I think that's what motivates me more than anything. Kind of, I think my that and, and um, yeah, annoying people that blokes that don't want to let you past. Um, yeah, I'll sprint finish against them just to prove a point. Um, I do that on parkrun quite a few times. Um, but yeah, the only other sprint finish I've ever had was on cross country because I was running for for my local um, my club Guildford and Godalming, and and um, there was a picture of my face, and I was like, I've never looked like that. But I was really trying to make up a few places. So I think the team element for me is really exciting because I think I'll do the best if I'm part of a team rather than if I was just competing for myself. Um, yeah, I, people are driven by different things, but, you know, being fighting for others is is definitely something that's that's important for me. Amazing. Well, if people want to get involved in, in She Run, because I'm sure there will be some people out there who um, hopefully have a bit of time, but if not, who have some races in mind that they'd like to, to approach to make them more female-friendly, what's the best way for them to do that? So our website is uh, sheraces.com. Um, so she runs. I see she runs. Whoops. I keep on saying. It's okay. <laughs> I, mean, I actually do that. You might get that. <laughs> so, yeah, the website is, is sheraces.com. At Instagram, she.races. Um, you find everything up there. Sign up there. Um, and, yeah, please just think of the race organizers. Send them a link to the guidelines. Read them. Give And um, please give me any feedback on them. Um and if kind of you go to race organizer and, and you're encountering trouble, let me know. And that's when we'll, um, we'll send them a bit of a nudge, but, um, generally they're just really grateful for the feedback, um, and happy to make the changes. And, um, then it's, it's, it's just brilliant that knowing that there's all these women out there that are making a change for other women. And, um, you know, we're really proud to have started that. And hopefully it will become a point where, um, the tipping point where, 
actually it will just become standardized and there'll be so few races left to approach that it will almost become null and void fingers crossed that's my my goal is that it doesn't exist i mean that this is this is something that you want okay my goal is that she races isn't there and maybe it, we can then get to pivot to somewhere we're encouraging more women to to get involved in the first place and and mm. tackling those other barriers but at the moment there's a lot to do um we're quite under-resourced i've probably been if i trained a bit less hard i'd have more time for she races this is this is this is the issue <laughs> um so we're hoping we're hoping to get some sponsorship to get some resource um just to help us kind of have that greater reach and um we're seeing just on minimal input it's it's already having a huge change so we're really excited about seeing what can happen in the next year or so amazing well well thank you for coming on the podcast thank you for the amazing work you've done with she races and good luck in representing gv in the coming weeks um <laughs> can't wait to hear how it goes oh thanks for having me nice chatting to you again my pleasure thanks and if, if people want to follow you personally um what's uh, what's the best way for them to do that so i am ultra underscore sophie um and it's generally it's generally kind of um some fairly ep- there'll be some fairly epic flat lays on it for the 24 and so i'm, I'm <laughs> gonna go through because i because I, I kept the gb thing a bit quiet um i'm gonna go through a bit more of my training and questions but um especially when we have any questions about anything from pelvic floors to prolapses to juggling um send me a message and i i really do try and get to them all because i know um i know how important it is to to have some guidance and um yeah i've got no filter so i'll tell you as it is <laughs> <laughs> amazing well thanks again sophie good luck uh, in the 24 hour thank you Fuck you, buddy.